Good morning. Thank you, music team, again, worship team, for, uh, for leading us in praise and worship this morning. Uh, we have a, a, a practice here of what we call Q&R, question and response. And uh, a couple of questions came in last week, um, uh, sort of after the service. And uh, one of them was a question was, uh, we were talking about spiritual gifts, of course. And one of the questions was, is it um, uh, proper? Does it make sense for us to encourage somebody if we see a particular gift that they have uh, as, as fellow congregants, is it proper and healthy for us to encourage them in the gift that we see, or even to encourage them to discover and discern uh, some gifts that, um, uh, for themselves? And, and absolutely, that is part of what we are meant to do with each other. In fact, that is one of the ways of discerning the work of the Holy Spirit and discerning the gifts that He's given to us, is that someone in our congregation comes to you and says, you know, I really see this in you. I, I see this going on. I see your, your gifting in this area. And other people come and say that, and maybe you don't recognize it, you don't perceive that of yourself, but someone else comes and says, I see this in you. And so I would encourage you, if you, if you uh, have that inclination, to encourage one another to say, I see this gift in you. I see this in you. The second question uh, that came was, um, put quite simply, uh, when it comes to the bestowing of spiritual gifts, the question was, do we have a choice? Ooh, I like that question too. Do we have a choice? Well, the short answer is no. but let me unpack that a little bit. So the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, our God, the Holy Spirit, uh, gives and, and appoints and anoints people with certain spiritual gifts. But one of the reasons why that question comes up is that, and I call these superpowers because they are divine gifts and powers that the Holy Spirit gives to us. So I call them superpowers. But here's one of the um, attributes of these spiritual gifts. Uh, our superpower, our spiritual gift or gifts, can also be a point of weakness or vulnerability. So if you have the gift of hospitality, which is so necessary to welcome people around the table, to be a welcoming presence, but the weakness or point of vulnerability is also that you can be uh, overwhelmed or taken advantage of in your hospitality, for example. If you have the gift of prophecy, that is, to speak something that the Lord has given you, either foretelling or foretelling, telling something about the future, well, that can also be uncomfortable for you, even as you exercise that spiritual gift. And so sometimes we can have a spiritual gift where we, we recognize this, but it can be also uncomfortable for us at the same time. So it is both a a superpower and also a a point of weakness or vulnerability. But it isn't that we have a choice, but what we will hear about this morning as Paul continues is that we can pray and ask for spiritual gifts. The Lord still grants them. He is the one who appoints them. But we can pray and ask, and so we're going to learn more about that this morning. 
Recently, we got a notice, Kimberly and I, that we needed to renew our registrations for our vehicles. And I, I was reflecting on that, and it was, I was thinking, it's been a long time since someone has asked me for my ID, um, where I've been carded, if you will. I don't know if, if that's a, a phrase that is used here, but you go into certain places and they, they want to card you, especially if you're kind of in high school or, or first couple of years of university and they want to see some ID. And uh, so it's, it's a bit strange to be asked for, for ID, but we, we need it after all. But I wondered, as I was thinking about that, I wondered if Westview, if we were carded, if we were asked for our identification, what would we say? How would we identify ourselves? How would we describe ourselves? What would our neighbors around us say? Who would they say we are? A little later on this morning, we're going to go into some scripture time. And then again, we're going to have a time of Q&R where you can submit your questions. You can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca, or you can stand here in the uh, auditorium and uh, uh, Darren will bring a microphone to you and you can ask your question. So this is part of what was on the minds and hearts of First Church Corinth. They were trying to figure out what is this new and different thing called church. It's difficult for us to imagine, to reach that far back to a time when a city, for example, like Calgary, had never had a church of followers of Jesus Christ before, but now there was this first church ever of Jesus' followers, a congregation of people that followed Jesus. That was the case in First Church Corinth, as I call it. And they were trying to figure out, well, what is this new and different thing? There's all these temples. How are we supposed to uh, conduct ourselves? How do people perceive us? And, and we function very differently than that temple on the hill where we don't have carved images and idols. And the reality is that the physical body and physicality and how we function are vital to how we communicate identity. Identity is communicated on the physical plane, through the physical and function. And so you can imagine when Paul was talking about spiritual gifts with the church and they were starting to uh, uh, sort of delve into this and lean into this idea of gifts. And what began to ensue was competition. Well, you have these gifts, and you have this gift, and, you, and this gift is better than this gift. And so the church was struggling because of competition, because certain people had this gift, and others had this gift. And there began to be this, this, this division and disunity, and ultimately it began to be pretty chaotic as they were trying to figure out what was going on. Well, if we were to talk about gifts in a sort of a general sense, it makes sense, you know, begin by just being thrilled to open up a gift and to enjoy having gifts and all of that. But then all of a sudden, as if we're with a group of people and we start opening up gifts, it doesn't take long before we are thrilled with the gift we have. It doesn't take long before you start looking over there. 
And what's the gift they have? And what's the gift they have? And maybe that gift is, well, but that gift costs more than my gift. That gift is better than, and really, why do I have this gift and why do they have that gift? And so it is with spiritual gifts. We can actually develop some confusion about spiritual gifts if we align them in similar fashion to just a material gift. We can have this confusion about what spiritual gifts are all about. We can start to think, we can start to uh, equate spiritual gifts with worth and value and God's favor as though when someone has a particular gift, God must value them more than the next person or God, God must be, have more favor for this person. And then we see a particular gift and we think, well, those people, they have this spiritual gifting, so they're really blessed. God has blessed them. And then what can unfold from there is that we start showing particular respect and particular honor to people that have particular gifts. And then what develops from there is this kind of a hierarchy or classes of people uh, within a congregation. But that, that could sound like a, a business or a corporation or a company where people with certain titles or certain offices and corner offices or better views. So what is this new and different thing called church, and especially with respect to spiritual gifts. What is meant by giving these spiritual gifts as the Lord has done? What is he intending in this case? This is a very key question. Who is the church? What is the church all about? What is the identity of the church? It was already being asked a couple of decades ago, but during COVID and coming out of COVID, I can tell you it is a very real question, and especially among the 20-somethings and 30-somethings, they're wondering, what about church? And is it relevant? What are the benefits? What is the meaning? What is the identity of church? And why should I be here or not be here at all? The church particularly, and also Westview, what is unique? If we were to ask our neighbors, if we were to ask our friends, the people at work, if we were to ask them that question, Erwin um, McManus did a study in Vancouver uh, quite a few years ago, and he turned it into a book and a video. He was doing it for um, uh, Athletes in Action or Power to Change at the time. The book is called Soul Craving, and he asked people this, questions about this, a variety of different people to try and understand what their perspective was about church. What do they perceive it is? Do we even, in sort of this milieu, this atmosphere of individualism, do we even consider a corporate identity? Do we consider who we are as a group? Or is it primarily still our individual identities? So that's what I wonder. That's what Paul was trying to help this church in Corinth to understand who they were. If we were to ask that question, what would we point to? Maybe we would say, well, we're Baptists. What does that mean? 
Well, we belong to CBWC. That stands for Canadian Baptists of Western Canada. Okay. What does that mean? Well, maybe we point to, uh, well, we, we, if we ask neighbors, maybe they say, well, you guys run uh, day camps in the summertime. Or you're the church that has a, a, a preschool program. What is it that we point to that communicates our identity, that tells people who we are? Because the, the, the physical and the functional are the way we communicate our identity, but it isn't our identity. That isn't who we are. It's how we communicate who we are. So turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start reading verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. What Paul is saying here to the church is he is using this metaphor, but he is calling them uh, the body. Using this metaphor in a way, but it is more than just that. It is it, it, close to literal, but he is, it is a metaphor where he's saying, congregation, you are a body. But he is not saying just anybody, you are the body of Christ. Of the Messiah. Of the anointed one. It isn't the word Jesus here, it's the word Christ it's Messiah, anointed one. This is the predominant metaphor that is used to describe who the congregation of Jesus followers is, the body. Paul uses it in Ephesians. He uses it in Colossians. And then he begins, after saying this is who you are, he begins to unpack, he begins to describe what that means. And what is the fundamental nature of a body, he says, is that there is a unity. The body, there is a unity between the singularity of one body and the plurality of the many parts. A body is a unity between singularity and plurality. That is fundamental. So this is very different what they are understanding, what they're hearing about. Verse 15, if the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. So the congregation is a body, 
and he is referring to the individual parts of the body, the parts as people, and what he is saying to the church in First Corinth uh, or in Corinth is that all people, all the followers of Jesus, all people belong to the congregation. They belong to the body of Christ. Whether you feel like you belong doesn't negate the fact that you belong. If someone says you don't belong, that isn't true. And it is because it is God who has arranged and designed and appointed for you to belong. It isn't systems and structures. It isn't the one human being saying to another human being at the door, oh, yes, you belong. No, it is God who has determined and arranged. He saved us, as we read in Titus, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, Titus 3, 5. So you belong. Because the Lord has designed the congregation, designed the church like the body for all of the different people to belong. Ethnicity, male, female, age, you belong. And it's by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. And what Paul is pointing out here is that every person... Like every member of our body, every person is needed. And every person is valued. Every person is needed and every person is valued and is deserving of care. God has said it that way. Not by human determination. And when he is talking about these more sort of... Uh, uh, open or more uh, sort of uh, vulnerable parts or, or those sorts of things. Could you imagine the hair versus a heart valve? We see hair and it's nice and we comb it. We take care of it. We don't see the heart valve. But we sure need the heart valve. Oh, very nice heart valve you have. We don't do that. Of course, nowadays we can't really say nice hair either. But, but 
That's the point is that there are people in the congregation that Paul, Paul is pointing out. There are people in the congregation who aren't people that are, are vocal and speak up and are, are clamoring for attention and, and have all this role and stuff like that. But they are absolutely as vital, if not more so, than the person like me who's standing here jumping up and down. Every person is, and, and it's bisynchronous. It means it goes both ways. We need the body, and the body needs us. You need the body, and the body needs you. Could you imagine a foot on its own? How good is a foot on its own? Or a hand, or a finger, or an ear? This collaboration, this... So often we come to this idea that, that, you know, what have you done for me lately, church? But we do need each other. As you can hear when we read these passages. And so we submit and we follow and we care for one another. Verse 27. Now he says it plainly. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. This is about sequence. It's not about priority. Then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, various forms of leadership, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all include uh, working miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. God has spread out, as Paul is saying, God has spread out his spiritual gifts among all of the members of the body. It's fantastic. It's fantastic that every member of the church body, the Lord has ordained that he is spreading out his spiritual gifts among everybody. The ears hear and the eyes see and the heart valve valves. We've all been given spiritual gifts. No one person has all the spiritual gifts. And we don't all possess all of them. It is many people in our congregation and a diversity of spiritual gifts that makes the body healthy and resembles Jesus Christ himself that brings a body into balance and makes it in tune. And do you notice at the very part of, we're only going to 31a, I'm going to start 31, the second part of verse 31 next week, but there's this rhetorical a device that Paul is using as he's desiring to draw the congregation further into the conversation. And he says, but strive for the greater gifts. So we're back over here. And now what he's trying to do is get us away from the humanality of thinking the greater gifts is going to be what? What is the greater gifts? What are the greater gifts from God's perspective? And 
And what we're understanding is that you can ask, you can pray. Lord, I would love to have the gift of. Lord, I would love to have the gift of. And he will hear. And he spreads out his gifts among his people. So Westview, the church writ large, and we particularly, God has designed us and established us to be the body, the physical, functional representation and revelation of the Messiah. That is who we are meant to be of Jesus Christ. God has created the church in the image of Christ. But it is a particular unique aspect. We understand that each human being is created in his image from the outset, but now the church is also designed and created and intent to be created in the image of Christ. And we understand even in reading through Paul's letter to the churches, that they struggled with that. And then we get to the book of Revelation, and we understand that some churches kind of resisted that, and they wanted to be social clubs. They wanted to be something else, but they weren't really living into an understanding that they were created in the image of the anointed one. Wow! Wow! Amazing. And it's not merely an image because the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, who guided and led the Son of Man, the Holy Spirit is also here with us, present with us to the point where he has gifted each one of you so that we would be the physical, functional revelation of the Messiah here in Calgary, in our neighborhood, reaching to places around the world. And so who are you? If you are a follower of Jesus, who are you? You are an appointed, anointed, and gifted member of the body of Christ. That's who you are. Because that's who we are. The church is established and exists, Westview, through the repetition of the incarnation of the Word of God. It was the Son who came, who incarnated the Word of God, and now He has given that responsibility for us to do the same, to be the body, the incarnation of Him while He is not here physically. So we understand that when we gather together, the physical aspect of gathering together in a large group like this or in our community groups or in youth or in young adults, when we gather together, it is through this uh, physical and functional way we conduct ourselves that we are conveying who the Lord is. Just like Jesus was conveying who God is, now we as a church are meant to convey what God is like, who Christ is like. But it necessarily requires community.
The Trinity is community, a unity of the community. And it's a diverse community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it necessarily requires this community and this relationality because we cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ on our own like a foot or a finger or a heart valve or a tooth. Our spiritual gifts are meant to build up the body of Christ, which necessarily requires community. Even the fruit of the Spirit requires relationship and community. But it's not just any kind of community. This isn't just any kind of community. Animals have herds. Animals have packs. I've been reading about trees lately and the secret life of trees and how they relate to each other. Root systems and all kinds of amazing things that God has invested into his very creation. And it's just fantastic. But that's not the community. This is a particular kind of community, a covenant, a promise-keeping community that's in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, where we yield ourselves to the will and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and where we do the same in submission and care for one another. And that seems altogether kind of complicated and simple at the same time, but that, if we do that, becomes our witness to the triune God. You mean caring, like obeying the Lord and following his will together as a church? Yeah. Caring for one another? Yeah. That is how we witness to the reality of Jesus Christ to the people all around us. And we function, first and foremost, by our spiritual gifts. Yes, we have passions, we have abilities, we have personalities, and we have experiences. But we, we, we lead with our spiritual gifts, we lead with yielding and, and, and going to the Holy Spirit. I would love for our gatherings, whether we're in a board meeting or whether we're in a community group meeting, that we would be praying. And when it comes time to talking about decisions or thinking about what we should do next or whatever it is, that regardless of whatever, the, we, we pause and we say, you know what, before we make a decision, before we take a next step, whether we're MBO and MAO or whatever the group is, we say, we're just going to pause here and we're going to yield and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask for his guidance and we're going to ask, well, who has the different gifts that we need and we're going to talk to them and we just do that as opposed to leading with our abilities our experiences and our and our skills but leading in step with the holy spirit and the spiritual gifts that we have i want to pause here i want to pause here for a few minutes of of question and response where you can interact with me And then we'll continue, we'll finish, we'll, in a few minutes we'll bring the worship team back up. If you have a question, you could text or email to ask at Westview Church or stand where you are. And uh, Like I said, Darren will bring a question, uh, bring the microphone, we'll bring a question to you. No, bring, bring the microphone to you. Uh, we have one question okay. uh, emailed in so far. Uh, the question is, how should we respond when we believe our spiritual gift is being minimalized by others around us in the church? Yeah. How should we respond when we feel that our spiritual gifts are being minimized 
minimalized uh, in the congregation. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's really good. You know, we do have, it's an excellent question. Um, you know, all the traditions that we have uh, mean that we, by default, uh, accent or emphasize certain spiritual gifts over other spiritual gifts. But that's not because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's because of our traditions and our experience and the way we've lived. And so one of the ways that we can help with that is begin to, like we're trying to do, is educate ourselves on what are all of the spiritual gifts. And we have in Scripture several passages that list, not the, a full comprehensive list, but a good starting point. To educate ourselves on what are those spiritual gifts. I would encourage if this is happening, and it's, it's so regrettable if this is actually, if the person is experiencing this, but to begin to talk to people about it and to share what is your spiritual gift. For us to be open and understanding that spiritual gifts are appointed and anointed from the Holy Spirit, they aren't humanly uh, assigned or, or constructed. And so I think that communication of talking about it, if it's a spiritual gift that is kind of downplayed, let some people know, talk about these things. And I hope that we would be receptive to understand and, and say, yeah, I, I see that in you and I want to value that in you. And come back, brothers and sisters, come back to the, the, the metaphor of the body. It's amazing how a world can stop when you have a cavity. And all of a sudden, there's all these people with machinery and two or three people in a room, like this. And what's the size of that thing? Or even, a, what you know, this is this whole production thing. We don't think anything of it. It's not noticed. Like the hair is, for example, or the color of your eyes. We, we quickly start appreciating that. So I would say communicate that. Let's be receptive to it. Let's... Educate ourselves in what are those spiritual gifts. Yeah. Um, I think there's a gentleman here with a question. We, you, we, one more just came in. Can you give me that one, one and then while yeah, I and respond and yeah. you can make your way over there. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is, if all God's people belong, how can we begin to do conflict better? For example, conflict with views on politics, vaccinations, or climate change. Okay, so read that first part to me again. If all God's people belong, yes. how can we begin to do conflict better. Nice. So if all people belong, how do we do conflict better? That is so brilliant. You, you, it is no wonder to me that the enemy attacks uh, and tries to dismantle unity. Because the Lord has desired the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is one of unity, and the enemy is doing things to try and dismantle unity. So how do we learn how to conflict better? We, we need to learn how to have dialogue and understand, like Paul is saying, that we don't need to necessarily agree to love each other and have communion. But what I do need to do is actually here to understand the next person's perspective first before I do any reacting or responding. It's like Paul was saying, the eye or the ear if we dismiss somebody because they don't agree with us, there's no chance of learning anything from them because now they've gone away. And so we, it's, it's so valuable for us to learn how to have a conversation, to, lift, to start with trying to understand and asking, Lord, 
this is, I, did, I, I disagree, but are, what are you trying to teach us? What are you trying to teach us through this conflict and through this dissonance? And speaking of Erwin McManus, he had this phrase, where there's friction, there's traction. And it's exactly in those points where we have some conflict, where there's the possibility for some real gold to occur. It can be a welding point or a breaking point. But how do we see it? Well, right now, the world says, you know, you go to that side and you go to that side and we'll develop an us and them culture and we'll just come out fighting. So the body of Christ is different. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> so my, <clears throat> my name's Ed Biden. I think it's important that we identify each other. So I've been a member here for quite a while. But it's more important that I've been a member of the body of Christ for <laughs> a very long while. So just so you know where I'm coming from. So I was in a car recently with another brother named Daniel. And he was talking about something that he learned from the previous pastor like something became clearer to him. Hmm. And it's a very difficult thing, and I like your ideas on this. And it's about the passage about Ananias and Sapphira, where the Holy Spirit was lied to. And the consequences of that seem quite dramatic. So if you could talk about that, Gary. Uh, about uh, Ananias and Sapphira? Well, just about that and, scenario. And, right. And, well, it's just that... I, we need to take the Holy Spirit seriously. Ah, okay. <laughs> so Very just good. talk about the seriousness. Okay. Of yes, it. yeah, that's really good. And thank you. You know, um, there are passages that talk about um, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And again, we use the, the word person uh, in order to try and understand the Trinity. So we, we come to grips with this idea that Jesus you know, was a person. But the Holy Spirit similarly is a person. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, etc. And Scripture says that we need to take the Holy Spirit, uh, seriously, not grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, not quench the work of the Holy Spirit. So, for example, if the Holy Spirit is giving gifts and distributing gifts among the body of Christ, then we need to recognize and appreciate and acknowledge and lean into that and not quench the work of the Holy Spirit. And I agree, it's, it's important for us, as I was saying a, a couple of Sundays ago, that the Holy Spirit is alive and very real, as is Jesus. And the, the good news is that he is about unity, and he is about gifting, and he is about power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I mean, there's all of this is available to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, I will give you. And he said, I will do even more. You will do even more amazing things than I did, Jesus said to his disciples and to the church through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we need to value and take that seriously. Thank you, Ed. That's all there is on the iPad, right. unless there's any last minute ones that I can bring a mic to. Why don't we invite the music team to come forward? That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. Thank you for your questions. I'm sure there will be some others that follow. People process at different speeds and so on and, um, and, and, and want to work through some of this. I hope that we sense the freedom 
and understand that you all and we, because it's this combination of individuals and uh, this corporate body, anointed by the Holy Spirit to be the body of Christ and to be given certain spiritual gifts. And we are trying to do our best to equip you all, to equip us to understand what spiritual gifts are, and then also to do a bit of evaluation on which spiritual gift or gifts you have. And so we've been handing this out, this uh, spiritual gift study guide. There's some short things that you can do. It's reference material. It's also available on our website. And then there's this questionnaire. And it helps you walk through, step through, questions leading to some discovery and discerning uh, what your spiritual gifts could be. This too is available on our website to do electronically. And it looks like it's quite a bit, but um, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth the what, 10 or 15 minutes that it'll take or whatever it is to do this electronically, clicking with your uh, computer, or you can do the hard copy. We'd love for you to do this. Talk about it in your community groups and in your various groups. And then share that information also with us at the office so that when we are looking in different ministries, we want to see what the Lord is doing and join him in that and discover where those gifts are and, and, and basically move you into the areas of your gifting for the body of Christ. And then this aspect of caring all people are valued and all people are needed and deserving of care, Paul says. And I, I, would, I will just be a witness. I have witnessed, and so I want to testify this morning that I see many of you actively caring for other people in the congregation and in the community. And we don't see that here on Sunday morning. But I can testify to you that I see that community groups coming alongside Ben and Florence Chu, for example, and how they were saying our community group has just really been supporting us. Talking to a gentleman before this service, he went to visit another one of our congregants and just talked and shared. We don't see that here, but I can testify it's happening. And we're meant to do just all of that. And that will testify to who Christ is. That is Christ right now, the, the outworking of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And our community groups are, are meant for that. They're the front lines where life, is, life on life is happening. So community groups, we study the Bible and that's great. And then there's the other part where we close the Bible and we do what is written in the Bible as we care for each other. We're, we're revisiting our elders model, and I can tell you that it will include and incorporate the work and the ministry of the community groups. And then the final thing is this. this Paul talks about being baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body and becoming a member of the body. We have uh, baptism and membership classes coming up. And I want you to know from reading and what we just heard from Paul here is that to baptism is a, an outworking, it is a practice, a demonstration of being committed to Jesus Christ. That is how we demonstrate our commitment and what has happened in our lives through the waters of baptism. But being baptized and committing to the Lord Jesus Christ is also means committing to the local body of Christ. 
Baptism isn't being baptized and being a finger on your own or a foot on your own. It is also committing to identifying with the local body of Christ. And so when we talk about baptism, we, we use the word member or membership, but it really is a co covenant commitment or a promise. You say, yes, I believe in the statement of faith and I of, of Westview, and I'm committed, as I'm committed to Christ, I'm committed to this local body of Christ, and I want to be a member in that same way of being a committed member, identifying with this local body. And this mutual act of benefit and reflecting the body of Christ. Amen.